Welcome to the 11 minute podcast with um, your host today, um, Bart van Buchem. I'm a pain specialist physiotherapist based in Amsterdam region. With me today on the 11 minute podcast from Le Pub Scientifique, we've got Jane Chalmers. Jane is here in Adelaide. I'm with her at the moment. Uh, a senior lecturer in uh, pain science, as you are. Yeah, correct. And um, she did a PhD uh, on pelvic pain research. And I got this small little idea that we might <laughs> run into things like that, right? Or everything on pelvic pain related uh, issues. So um, first of all, welcome, Jane. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it was a pleasure. <laughs> uh, we're looking forward. So it's 11 minutes that we're trying to fit in as much as we can. And um, I'm going to hit the uh, alarm and the timer. So, and I know it, it will be over before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, there he goes. All right, Jane, there we go. So, what's on? What's on your mind at the moment on your work? And, yeah. What's on my mind? Everything. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> <laughs> what am I working on at the moment? Uh, yeah, what excites you at the moment? What excites me? Well, um, I think my sort of talk at the master sessions is something that really excites me. Mm -hmm. um, so my research is all in pelvic pain um, and unfortunately the kind of pelvic pain space I feel mm. like is 20, maybe 30 years behind other pain conditions like mm. back pain. So we don't have too much, I guess, um, experimental data in pelvic pain, which is quite interesting. Um, and I'm starting to get really excited by the concept of, um, I guess, understanding a little bit more about um, the concept of safety and danger or threat in our pelvis based on what our pelvis represents. Um, so I guess at the moment what excites me is this idea that our pelvis is this area that we really need to protect. And um, mm. I'm excited by that concept because I think it fits in really nicely with areas of science outside of pain. So Charles Darwin kind of talks about this theory of our, our sole purpose in life being mm. to reproduce. And I guess with that in mind, um, think about that in the context of pelvic pain, it makes sense that then our pelvis is a really important area for us. So I guess at the moment that kind of excites me thinking about yeah, I guess that evolutionary drive that we maybe have and the role that that might play in mm. someone's experience with pelvic pain. So would that be similar to all like other musculoskeletal uh, conditions, for example? Yeah, absolutely. And of course, it's, I think, unique and context dependent. Mm. Um, you know, Lorimer often talks about this concept of a violinist who has an injury on either their left or their right side and mm. um, the fact that an injury to the left side is much more catastrophic than it is on the right because our left hand when you're playing the violin is the one that you know you use to to play the notes oh fair. yeah so the context mm. of that is that it's kind of much more important to that person and it it's potentially more threatening if something goes wrong there so you're you're referring to the more intimate parts of the body and What's, what's the burden? What does you feel like the burden for maybe even clinicians to maybe to underestimate or even feeling it really hard to, to bring, it, bring this 
subject on as a part of the therapeutic process? Yeah, I, I mean, it's super challenging. Um, and I recognise that the challenges are not going away anytime mm. soon. We find it always really hard, I think, to talk about pelvic stuff, regardless of what it is, because like you say, you know, it's quite an intimate area. So I guess that's probably one of the biggest challenges is starting that conversation for clinicians to actually, yeah, just ask their patients um, what's happening in that pelvic area. What are, what are some of the functions that are happening? Mm. Are there dysfunctions? Are they experiencing pain? And I think starting that conversation is the biggest challenge because it is a, a lot of people find it a difficult conversation to have. Yeah, so what would you feel like, what, what is the clinician's role in that? So let's say you, you've, you feel like as a clinician, find it hard to start the conversation, but even before starting the conversation, what would be the first thing you should do to start that journey on feeling more, more comfortable in oh. discussing it? I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a magic solution. I think my suggestion would just be start. <laughs> yeah. So what would, be, what would be an easy question, for example, just to start with? Um, an easy question, I think, if you think that someone maybe has got um, potentially pelvic pain, I think it's always important to just ask outright, you know, are you having, experiencing any pain in your pelvis? But being really explicit about saying, you know, um, people who menstruate, you might ask about period pain. Um, but for everyone, you might also ask about sort of bowel and urinary function as well. Do they have any, um, any pain when they're going to the toilet? Other things like pain with sex. We know that all of these things are really common. So they're really good places to start to ask people about. Yeah. So. But is it also like a part as a clinician to start asking these questions yourself, for example? Is that Absolutely. I would argue that it is our role as clinicians um, to ask these questions. I think particularly in Australia, um, you don't need a referral from a GP or anything to see a physio. So mm. often someone will, will turn up on our doorstep not having seen a GP or anyone else who might screen for these things. Mm. So it is really important that we have the skills to ask some of these questions. Doesn't mean we need to necessarily have the skills to treat it, uh -huh. but absolutely to identify it. I think it's it's essential, really important. So where would you feel like the so from a physiotherapist perspective, you would say you set boundaries on, on where you feel like your field or the domain is finishing, but as it looks like, it's more a, an area where very similar to musculoskeletal. So what will, be the, what will be the most obvious similarities between, for example, seeing someone with, treating someone with, with let's say, neck pain or low back pain and a, and a person with, let's say, pelvic pain and perhaps issues with period pains and pain with uh, intercourse, for example. So what will be the similarities there? Lots of similarities in terms of, I guess if you're thinking about persistent pain, mm -hmm. there are lots of similarities, for example, between persistent neck pain and persistent limb pain in mm -hmm. terms of, you know, some of the biological processes that we see, the, the kind of um, 
psychological comorbidities that we see, some of those social contributions, and it's no different for pelvic pain. So in terms of persistent pelvic pain, I think there are a lot of those similar processes going on. They're not too dissimilar from other persistent pain populations that we might see. I think it's just a lot more taboo to talk about. Yeah, so what would be the, the fit with the clinicians versus the patient or to create a safe environment, I reckon? Is it because when it's got more intimate or it might be distressing, people probably not necessarily disclaim, well, actually, I've got these issues. And, um, and I think I heard you saying it takes, some, takes people like years and years to, to for even diagnosis all the way from when the, the issue started. The problem started, it's like, could be years. Yes. So how, what can we do to reduce the, the time in between onset issues or problems to diagnosis and probably treatment that, that would be appropriate? I think the, the biggest thing is starting the conversation. You know, mm. asking patients, screening for, for particularly pain and dysfunction mm. um, with the pelvis and its functions. Um, research that I've done, which isn't published yet, we're just preparing the manuscript, um, has looked at what some of the barriers are for people to seek help when they've got pelvic pain. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because one of the things that we found is that about 50% of women with pelvic pain report that they feel embarrassed talking to healthcare providers about their pelvic pain and the potential dysfunction they might have. Mm. But even though they're embarrassed, they don't perceive it as a barrier to them receiving help, which tells us uh, that it's maybe something they feel embarrassed about, but mm. they still understand the importance of talking about it, even if they feel a little bit funny doing it. But I think as clinicians, that tells us then that it is really important that we have this conversation, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable. Mm. I think it's really important to start the conversation to screen for some of those problems and then I guess if you identify that someone has pelvic pain or dysfunction and you don't feel qualified as a clinician to deal with it, then to engage a multidisciplinary team who can help this yeah. patient. What will be effective screening? So, so what will be the questions you need to ask? Oh, that's a great question. Um, there are lots of things you can ask for. The pelvis is a very, very complex area. Um, but I guess some of the things that were particularly important are, uh, that are particularly important to screen for are things like pain. Um, in particular, people with people who menstruate, asking about pain, not only when they're menstruating, but at other times throughout their cycles, because we know that some women get things like ovulation mm. pain. Um, but then thinking about the other functions that the pelvis has for us. So again, that sort of that bowel and bladder function as well is really important. So in terms of bladder, pain is an important thing, but also um, what's it like when they initiate the flow of urine? Is it stop, start? Um, do they have any incontinence? Similar questions with the bowel, asking about incontinence. How easy is it for them to open their bowels? Is there any pain? Are they straining? Mm. Um, and then I think it's really important to ask about sexual function as well. So pain is important, but also in the wider context, it's also important to think about you know, levels of arousal and libido and those sorts of things. So starting to get more into that um, 
I guess, the, the sort of psychological side of things as well. So would you argue that, that even a person who comes in with, um, is, yeah, you've seen them for low back pain, for example, but you actually find out there is more and they tend to have pain in the pelvis area, you should run this series of questions sort of to, <gasps> well, we can have a, little, a couple of seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Sort of to, to ask the questions and, and starting from there on, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a, like you said, it's a responsibility. Yes, big responsibility. And if you're not doing it, you might not do the right thing, just not talking it. Oh. Yeah. I think that's a good take home. Um, to finish the 11 minutes because the 11 minutes are already <laughs> gone. Um, however, we will... Um, extend this conversation a bit so people who signed up on lipupscientific.com will be able to see the extended version as well uh, includes video um, for now thank you for listening for the podcast listeners and um, see you next time